Hello, you're listening to the Mr. Money Jar podcast. Mr. Money Jar here. This episode is taken from an Instagram live and has been uploaded in its entirety. This means that some of what you hear may seem odd in an audio format. For example, there might be references to questions that appeared during the live, plus some audience interaction, and very rarely some swearing or audio mishaps. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Hello all, Mr. Money Jar here. I hope you're well. Welcome to episode 87 of the Mr. Money Jar show. Today we're going to be joined by Sarah Williams, the founder of DebtCamel.co.uk, and we're going to be talking about how to manage the cost of living. Um, the rise in people's expenses has been a huge topic on the news in recent days, and I could think of no better person to bring on the show to talk about what's going on and some of the help that's available and the things that we can be doing to help ourselves and each other as well. As I said earlier on today on my stories, one of my most viewed posts ever is based upon an excellent blog post written by Sarah. Um, the um, blog post and the post itself are about the different things that affect your credit score. So um, yeah, it's, it's awesome to be able to have her on the show today and to be able to speak to her about this topic. Um, and yeah, it's really great to see you all uh, tuning in. I think we're going to have a great conversation today. I can see that Sarah has joined the live, so let me invite her in as a speaker. Oh, they've changed the icons. Every time I use Instagram, it's different. Why? Hi, Sarah. Hi, Timmy. Can you hear me? Loud and clear, loud and clear. Great. Can you hear me? How are you? How are you? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? Oh, busy. <laughs> this has just Thank been you. a very, very busy week for uh, debt advisors. Yes, I can imagine. Um, thank you so much for making the time to come on the show today. I was just, um, yeah, just uh, singing your praises um, as I started the live. I'm a, a long time fan of yours and um, I think that your website provides a huge amount of value to people. Um, you know, when it comes to debt advice, when it comes to uh, personal finance, and I think we're going to learn a lot from this conversation today. Okay. Before we kick off, though, please do introduce yourself to everyone and let us know about what you do. Thanks. So I have been a debt advisor for nearly 20 years, and I started uh, with my website, Debt Camel, about seven years ago, eight years ago. I, I lose track now. Um, because I wanted to try to get to people early on before they actually want to come and sit in my citizen's advice waiting room. Um, yes. People have sort of questions that they'd like answered that they don't think it's worth bothering a debt advisor about. And debt advisors would always rather hear those questions earlier rather than later. Because yes. early on, you've got more options available. You've got nicer options available. If you just let it drift and let your debts go up and up and up, then it gets harder to sort things out. There are still options. There are always options. But the sooner you get help, the better. So that's why I started Debt Camel, to try to reach people earlier. And if you don't mind asking, I've always wondered this. Why Debt Camel? Um, <laughs> why did you call it? Well, it's really hard to choose a good name. Um, 
I got the whole idea of the website all mapped out in my mind. And I just couldn't find the name at all. Um, all the good names are already taken or they sounded like one of the big debt charities. And I didn't want to pretend to be something I'm not. Or they were taken by the sort of awful end of the commercial trying to sell you an IBA sector. Um, so I bought a card for my mum from Moonpig. And I thought, hang on, if they can make a whole business out of a name which doesn't even have card in it, yeah. all I need is a name which is memorable, short, easy to spell, because you want that for your website. Um, and I just kicked around with my kids the names of animals. We thought about panda, a bit Chinese. We thought about wombat, great fun, but perhaps not quite. But camel just seemed perfect. Camels are good. Camels are sensible animals. Yeah. They plod on. They get to their destination. They can survive yeah. hard times. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. They get cross as well. <laughs> that's, um, yeah, that, that's the imagery that comes to mind for me. Just, you know, the, the camel, just endurance, stamina, and just kind of, yeah, just consistency, I guess. I think that's a, yeah, it's an awesome name. Um, very memorable. Um, big thanks, thank you to Mumming on a Budget for following uh, the page and to Mama is the Word for following the page as well. Thank you so much for tuning in today. So on to the cost of living um, conversation. I won't, I, won't, I won't call it a crisis. Let's just call it the conversation, the topic. Well, the word um, crisis what... is being overused perhaps, but for many yeah. people it could end up like that, yes. So what in your view is, is happening at the moment? What's going on with the cost of living? So we've got several things going on which are all happening at the same time. The, the sort of perfect storm as, as the saying goes. We've got the government trying to take more money through taxes because it spent a lot through COVID and wants to try to recoup some of that. So what it's doing from April is it's frozen all the tax thresholds, which normally go up in line with inflation. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's putting up the national insurance. The national insurance doesn't sound like it's going up a lot, only one and a quarter percent. But actually, compared to the national insurance you're paying at the moment, you'll be paying probably about 10 percent more in national insurance because it's the rate that's going up um, just over one percent and that makes a lot of difference to what you pay so if nothing else was going on at all people would be feeling worse off from april but at the same time we've got a whole raft of different things hitting some of them are coming from the brexit angle some of them are coming from the um uh post-pandemic problems, supply chains, things being in the wrong places, container sh prices of container ships all, all going up. That's affecting a lot of basic food prices and, other, and second-hand car prices and a lot of other prices in the system. And then we've got energy as the special nightmare. Petrol prices are going up steeply at the moment because of general world demand recovery. Um, through COVID. So we've all seen, if you've got a car, the cost of actually filling it up with pumps um, is, is going up. Um, energy prices have hit a much worse problem because, again, there's several things coming together at one time. There's um, been a 
technical problem with our interconnector with France, which is where we get a lot of our and um, some of our electricity supply coming from. Probably people haven't really noticed it, but it was a really, really quiet summer for and autumn for wind in the UK. It just okay. wasn't that windy. And that meant the wind turbines didn't generate as much energy as they should, which pushed up all the demand for other sorts of energies. Yeah. Yeah. And then we've got the whole Russian situation, Russian trying to possibly manipulate prices, cutting off cutting off or restricting some of the gas supply to Europe. Some French nuclear reactors are down for maintenance, completely unrelated to any of this. This just happens to be when they were going for maintenance. And Germany's decided to decommission some of its really, really old nuclear reactors. And, and all this has done is it's taken bits off in lots of different areas of the actual energy supply coming through. So that has pushed up quite a lot the price of wholesale gas in Europe and that's pushed up the price of electricity because whenever there isn't enough other sorts of energy being generated for electricity gas tends to be the one you go to and bid up the price of sure so there's lots of different factors much of it not under our government's control but some of bits of it are some bits of this is a peculiarly British situation we're facing because of some very, very foolish decisions that the British government has made over the past 10, 20 years when it's looked at what it calls introducing competition to the electricity and gas market. So you used to be able to go and switch suppliers and you used to be able to get a cheaper supplier doing that way. The only people that did tend to switch tended to be the digitally literate people and people who didn't have mental health problems, who were sort of able to manage this whole switching process. It was nobody's favourite thing ever really to switch their supplier. People always tended to sort of put it off, but yeah. kind of get round to it in, in the end. But the people that gained from these cheap suppliers tended to not be everybody they were people across they tended to be the better off people or the younger people and the more digitally literate people and what the government did it said this wasn't really fair because there are a whole raft of people that weren't gaining anything from this so introduced what's called the price cap the price cap which we've all heard so much about now was originally introduced just to protect the people who weren't switching suppliers and it set a maximum price not a maximum amount you could spend because that depends on you know how much energy you actually use but the maximum yeah. price you could pay for your gas and electricity if you didn't switch suppliers what the government and it never thought was that the wholesale price of gas and electricity would go up so massively that the capped price was not just a sort of protection for some people, but soon became the cheapest way in the market. So it wasn't worth switching anymore. If okay. you're offended, you just go on to a variable rate because that is literally the cheapest fix you can get at the moment. And the smaller ends of the supply people, gas and electricity suppliers, they weren't 
expecting this. They kind of ignored it. And all of a sudden, they were having to supply at this capped price and pay an awful lot more for it. So that's why we've had 25, maybe more people go under in the last six months. Yeah. People that didn't properly hedge their supply. The big suppliers all hedged. They all went onto the forwards market. They bought what they expected. They managed it properly. But these small suppliers, some of these are being run out of people's living rooms. These are tiny companies. They never had profitable capitalization. So these have failed. Some of them have failed with customers money in the bank. Those customers are all going to get paid. You know, your money isn't at risk if you had a credit with one of these people. But everybody else in the country is now picking up the cost of, of these failures. It's being divided across all of us and it's all coming to all of us with our bills. So this, is, this has been a disaster really. And the result is the announcement last week that the cap is going to be going up 54% in April. Yeah. And there are now 22 million households in the country already paying that cap. And that's going up every month because every month some people are finding their fixed ends and there are no cheaper fixes to get, so they move on to the cap. So that 22 million is going up and up and up. It's a, a very, about 80% of the people in the country are now paying this price cap which was only expected to be for a tiny number of people. Yeah. I just wanted to jump in and say, by the way, um, Sarah, we've had a comment here, which I just want to emphatically agree with. It's from Sibling Investing, and it says, so much wisdom, awesome listening to her. You and me both, mate. Like, I'm so excited to have Sarah on the show today. Um, this mum and her budget says, my supplier was one of those suppliers. They went under in December 21. We still haven't had an actual bill from the new supplier, so we're automatically transferred to. It's so frustrating. Yeah, it's What's very, been... very frustrating. People want, and a lot of these people, they want to be paying by direct debit, but when yeah. they transfer to a new supplier, their direct debit can't legally transfer. You have to set one up with your new supplier, so <laughs> your new supplier needs to know all your details, and that's going to be at the new rate. So yeah. it does take time to set up. But meanwhile, people are thinking they're getting into debt because they're not paying their direct debits. Yeah. Um, we try not to stray too far into crystal ball territory on the Mr. Money Joshua, but it would be interesting to know from you how long you think this situation is likely to last. Um, or it, like if you see it as a short term, almost yeah. price in or if this is something that we're going to have to get used to um, for the foreseeable I think I think it's sensible to plan for it lasting yeah. um, so the government's help that it's supplying um, 200 pounds off your bill in October and paying a bit more in the next five years that's that's not a bad idea if the price is going to drop way back if this is yep. just a temporary blip, it kind of smooths it out. But there's no indication that's actually going to happen. With what we're seeing at the forward prices, what you can buy electricity and gas for six months forward or four months or a year forward on the markets, it looks at the moment as though come October, prices are going to go up another 20%. Um, 
perhaps they're going to come down after that. My crystal ball doesn't work either when it, when it comes to this where I can make a fortune of yeah. trading the gas market. Um, we could all cross our fingers and hope it's very, very windy this summer. It seems like a strange thing to, to what, think for but you know, a very windy um, period is going to really help the renewable energy generation in this country we can also cross our fingers and hope that nothing goes horribly wrong in the Ukraine there are yes. lots of reasons to hope there isn't a war in the Ukraine but that is going could potentially have a very bad effect on European um, gas prices as well if Russia decides to turn off the tap um, yeah. it, it's not really in any of our ability to control that so all we can do is basically plan for prices not dropping and if they do drop that's a bonus but it's not sensible to plan for them dropping at the moment yeah um most of our conversation so far is focused on um energy but there's also um food which i wanted to touch yep. upon before i do that i'll just read out a comment from mr j warmsley which is i think i had the same supplier who went bust in december Despite all the regulation, I feel there are still big suppliers who have somewhat of a monopoly on the industry. These are the least interested in helping you save money, but you should still speak to them 100%. Yep, that's right. If you do have problems, do talk to your supplier. Um, they do have to listen to you and they do have to set an amount which you can afford. Um, but those conversations often aren't easy. If you have problems, talk to your local citizens advice yeah and then of course we have food we had the twitter thread by jack monroe mm. um which um went viral and um, was it last week or the week before um yeah. which actually triggered the ons saying that they would record inflation um yeah. slightly in a slightly more nuanced way going forward um which i think is a positive thing because similar to the national insurance increases, a 1.25 percentage point increase translates into much higher percentage change increases when it comes to take-home pay. And I feel yeah. that similar thing happens with um, yeah. uh, inflationary increases as well. Yes, yes so, so um, Jack, Jack was making the points that um, Tesco's and Sainsbury's and things, they kept down, you know, the price of their... Um, taste the difference lasagna and things like it hasn't gone up that much at all but the price of basic rice and, and beans and pasta and the everyday staples has gone up a lot more than the headline amount mm. for food and Jack's pointing out these, these are the foods that if you're on a restricted budget you spend most of your money on so you can face an inflation rate which is much higher than the published inflation rate but benefits are only going up in april three percent despite cpi and everything going up by six percent by now because that three percent rate was set last summer yeah yeah um you touched upon the government help for uh, that the um the 200 pound um discount which you then need to pay back over the next four years i think it is um there's also the 150 pounds which um, council taxpayers and bands A to D um, will get off. What's your take on the package that um, the government announced last week? Um, do you think uh, it's sufficient? Do you think it's like a good first step? And um, yeah, just wonder. I think it was 
not well targeted. It's quite a lot of money overall. Um, and if that money had been aimed deliberately at the poorer people who would have most trouble affording the energy increases, it would have, could have gone a long way. But the £200 loan, I hate that word loan, it's not a loan. It's a £200 deduction from your bill. And then the bill for every single electricity supplier will be going up in the next years, regardless of whether you've got the £200 or not. So it's not a loan to you, Timmy, at all. You can't phone your energy electricity supplier up and say, yeah, I don't actually need this £200 loan, because it isn't a loan at all. Um, it's just, it's sort of helping everybody. That's, you know, in a way, some pe the wet people really do just have to learn to live with this, um, because we need to be able to give more help to the poorest people that can't afford it because the pe poorest people, some of them are literally looking at choices about whether they pay the rent, they buy food or they heat the house. And that shouldn't be happening. Not in one of the richest countries in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fifth or sixth wealthiest nation in the world yeah. at the time when I last checked. Um, it's been really interesting because I, um, you know, I'm thankfully not in this position anymore, but, I do remember being in my early 20s and having to top up, you know, my gas and electricity card and go to the corner shop. With time when I had to turn on the heating and turn on the hot water, you know, the night before, so that I had it in the morning. And like on the nights when I would forget to turn off the hot water, I'd wake up and the lights wouldn't be working because the card had run out of money. So I'm back down the corner shop again yeah. to top up the card. And... Uh, I'm extremely grateful that those aren't my circumstances now, yeah. but all those memories came back and it, it's not an exaggeration. You're literally going, I either need to eat tonight or put the heating on. Yeah. And, and then if you've got, if you've got children or um, if you just had a baby, you know, you need a warm house with a new baby yeah. in it. Just, you're you're yeah. managing on maternity pay. Um, this can be, literally a desperate time for some people going forward so I, no i wasn't very impressed with the government's help um i think they should have done more targeted through the benefits system yeah they could do that they can help people on universal credit they could help people who are getting housing benefit they can help people who are getting child benefit they know these people are going to be the hardest hit um so that's the government help what well, you did an excellent post um, on uh, some of the things people can do if they're looking for help to manage with their expenses. What could we all be doing um, ourselves to try and weather the storm, um, so to speak? On the energy front, there's a lot of information out there now. Um, the obvious things about turn down the thermostat, only boil the amount of water you need in the kettle, use your washing yeah. machine, less often put it on low heater switch things off at the plug they're all tiny things but they do add up to to significant things going forwards more generally it just comes down to budgeting and being very realistic about what your budget can actually stretch to which may not be this year what you had hoped it was stretched to the start of january when you were perhaps doing your thoughts ahead for the year so i like the, the the phrase which says you can only spend one pound once 
And that's what your budget is. It's looking at the pounds you've got coming in next month and deciding how many of those are going to go on your rent, your energy, your food. How many of those are you going to put aside to pay for other things later, like Christmas or your car service? Some of these are essentials. Some of them you wanted perhaps to put money aside for things which you really wanted to do, but they're not quite essential. And you may have to make the difficult choice about you were putting money into um, saving up for a house deposit. You were putting money aside to go away for a holiday. Those are the things you have to think about, whether you can actually afford, whether you can cut back on some, and what you can do to delay delay things so that hopefully things can get more back to normal. Yeah. There are things we can all do. We can all, I mean, one thing I always mention, check your subscriptions, because these just multiply these days. I always used to tell people to do this in January as a sort of spring clean, spring clean your finances by checking your subscriptions. Um, but in the last two or three years, it seems that lots and lots of businesses have decided this is the best way to get money out of people, is to get oh, them to sign oh, up to a subscription. Oh my goodness, like whatever happened to just buying something, you know? That's right. So, you know, you end up with a free offer and you take that and you carry on with it and you don't cancel it. Perhaps you like it, perhaps you love it, but you can end up paying a lot of money every month just disappearing out of your bank account on these subscriptions. Yeah. So at the moment, I'm saying people perhaps should be checking every, every quarter to see, because if you don't prune them back, they just take over like weeds and take over yeah. all your money. Yeah. Um, and just on, on the subscriptions, well, on the budgeting point, um, something that I've found very useful in recent weeks is, um, uh, recent months, I, I should say, is actually ch uh, budgeting every week. So I still mm -hmm. do do that kind of monthly check-in um, kind of payday shuffle type budgeting thing but um, myself and my wife actually on, on a Sunday we sit down and we just look at the past seven days of spending and mm -hmm. then we decide what we want to spend on the next seven days simply because you know what's the date today the um, the 8th of February I'm not necessarily uh, aware of what I was spending on the 8th of January like a month is quite a long time as a, as a cycle but that seven day cycle at least at least keeps us close to the pulse yeah. Yeah. and the subscriptions point. Definitely. Uh, it's like the free trial, so many free trials you to sign up for the free trial. It's super easy to cancel the free trial. You've got to like call a number, hold, press five, press the hash key. It's like, just if you're yeah. not using stuff, um, I, I think, uh, a, a useful thing to do when you're thinking about signing up to a subscription is just take the amount and multiply it by 12. And if that amount sounds too high for you, then maybe you don't want to sign up to that service. And yeah. if you do sign up to a lot of free trials, credit to the suppliers. If you cancel them on the day that you sign up to them, a lot of them will let you retain the benefits and then the benefits will lapse once your free yeah. trial period has ended. Yeah, I think I think if you don't, if you know you're not going to carry on with it, if you think, well, I'll just have a free month at the start, yeah. you have to ask yourself, is this really worth the hassle? Because it's all just brain headspace it takes up. Yeah. You know, you, you just end up missing 
a few of these. And those £7.99s or £14.99s can add up to, to a daft amount over the year um, for some things. So I, I, mean, I know, you know, some business, some new businesses have built their models around those and I feel sorry for those. Um, but I feel more sorry for the people that are um, paying out money just disappearing and then don't really feel in control you're checking every week it, it puts you in control of what's happening with your account absolutely and to, and to the businesses who are charging subscriptions you know it is their um you know goal to to make money but I, i'd like to think that um, most businesses want their customers to be deriving value from their services not to just be paying passively yeah, out that, that, that's that's the long run no, that's the long run good way for a business is you, you yeah. know your customers have to be um, getting good value um, out of it. You can't rip people off permanently. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Um, just had another comment and then um, I've just got uh, one, one final question for you. It's from Mr. J. Um, Wormsley again, and it's the most helpful thing I've found is spending time calculating the percentage on each area every month. London rent is much higher percent, so knowing where you can save elsewhere is key. Yeah. Um, percentages are, I like percentages because they scale with your um, income. So, um, whereas if you stick with absolute amounts, then you're having to recalculate and recalculate. Mm -hmm. But yeah. when I, if I'm saving or if I decide that I want to spend this much of my um, income on a particular area, expressing it as a percentage i find um has been has been useful yeah i mean a lot of banks have got better tools particularly the newer banks Mon monzo yeah. and starling you know if you want to keep a closer eye on where your money's going and what's coming up in the rest of the month they've got good tools for helping you uh, much better than the old banks yeah um and then uh, just my, my final question sarah before we get onto the rapid fire questions is we've talked about what's going on. We've talked about the government help. We've talked about how we can help ourselves. How can we help each other? Um, at my local Sainsbury's, um, the food bank and, and at my local Tesco's as well is, is full to the brim. And I'm getting this sense that um, people want to, want to help, like they want to contribute and they want to, help the people around them. So any thoughts around things we can do? Let, let's say, you, you know, someone feels like they're in a position where they're not being affected by the rise in um, cost of living that much. What sorts of things could they do to help people in their community or, or other people? So I think quite a lot of people are saying um, they're quite well off, um, but their house happens to be in a band A to D in London. Some extremely expensive houses um, are, in, are in bands um, C, C and D. And they're saying, well, you know, I'd like to donate my money somewhere. So if, you, if you're getting this um, £150 back, um, you can donate that. Your local food bank is a really, really good place um, to donate that to. There are specialist f um, fuel charities. Yes, um, yeah. There's the NEA, which is a very good charity for um, helping um, people with food um, with fuel problems. But generally, I always say food banks, because if you help people with the cost of food, um, then they go, they've got a bit more money to spend on um, what their rent and they've got a bit more money to spend on, on the fuels so that tends to help things across 
um, that's a very good place if you want to try to help people that way. But yeah. also just keep an eye open for your neighbours. You know, make sure you know what, how your parents are doing. Yeah. Um, because you know, some elderly people, they don't like to actually ask for help. But if you're elderly, you're in the house the whole time. Um, you're perhaps not very mobile yourself. You need that heating on. So check up with your parents that they're managing okay with their energy bills. Yeah. Um, love that food bank's point. And um, again, in my local Sainsbury's, um, I've at points seen um, note, notes left on the food bank saying, like, no more pasta, for example. Yes. So, like, food banks can build up surpluses. And I actually found that quite useful to know yeah. that. Especially... Past, pasta and baked beans seem to be the thing people yeah. always think of. Um, in my experience, what they're always short of is a long life UHT milk okay. and um, long life fruit juices. Um, they, they, because they, they hand out a lot of that. Obviously people want the milk because they want it for cereals and they want it for tea and coffee and um, it's used, used all over the place. So if you're not sure what to get, long life food, long life UHT and, and juice is a, a very good thing, but all, all tins, tins of just about everything. Excellent, excellent tip. Um, cool. Let's crack on with those rapid fire questions. These are just um, yeah. four or five questions I ask all the guests that come on the show. So the first is, what has been your biggest financial achievement to date? Oh, that's, that's, um, I guess I'm probably older than most people coming on your show, so I've got kind of a longer history. Um, I guess the one I was most excited about was paying off my mortgage. It was just yeah. one of the great days in your life when you actually realise you own the whole house. <laughs> yeah, um, achievement I hope to, uh, yeah, to, to have one day. Um, oh, Katie Kickers uh, uh, tuned in. Great to see you, Katie. Um, Second question is, what one piece of money advice would you have given to yourself 10 years ago? 10 years ago? Um, well, there were obviously a lot of shares with hindsight <laughs> that, would, that would have done very well, but that's not really terribly useful. Um, I think I probably would have looked at solar panels and things and, and better insulation in my house earlier um, rather than later. It's not too late to do it, obviously. Um, but 10 years ago, I didn't really, I wasn't really taking it that seriously. Yeah, um, I really like solar panels. I, I'm not sure, I live in a block of flats, so I'm not sure what my situation with them is. But when I was at university, in my third year, our landlord of, of our student accommodation put solar panels on the house and I believe he was given a government grant to yeah. do so. And every we had a particularly hot summer that year. And we used to get checks back from the electricity company in the post. And he let yeah. us keep them. Like he was the most awesome landlord ever. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Mike, if you ever listen to this, thank you. You're a great <laughs> um, If you were to win the lottery, let's say you were to win 10 million pounds, how would you allocate that money? Um, I would probably give half of it to my kids and the other half to charity. I mean, I'm retired. I own my own house. I've, I've got a nice pension. 
fine. I'm fine. I don't honestly know what I do with it. But certainly I think my kids could probably spend <laughs> quite a lot of it. They live in London. They could do with it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I like it. That's, I think, the simplest um, answer we've ever received on the show. A lottery question. And uh, finally, and I'd really, really love to get your, your answer to this one. It's um, what does success mean to you? When I was in my oh, probably late 20s, um, my partner and I went to Russia. This was before the fall of the Berlin Wall and things. And you go around and you used to see a sort of green grocers where there was plenty of food, but there were only it was only cucumbers and potatoes. And everywhere there were queues. If there was a queue, people seemed to join a queue and they sort of asked what, what they're queuing for because they would buy for it. And when I came back from that, I decided that we were all rich that could go to a supermarket and actually just buy what we wanted and fill up our thing. And that a real definition of success is not really noticing what you spend on food anymore. Yeah, um, that reminds me of a conversation that um, myself and Jenny were having yesterday where we were just having one of those gratitude moments. You know, we were like, you know what, we live, we have four walls, heating, electricity, um, running like hot running water um we can put on the movie if we want to we can go out for a walk we we live quite close to tower bridge um so we can like go for a walk and just kind of enjoy each other's company and um i remember being younger feeling that success was about the big things but as i get older it's becoming more and more about the little things yeah i think you got um, that one right <laughs> yeah this has been an awesome, awesome conversation, Sarah. I'm uh, just so pleased um, and thankful that you um, gave up your, your time to, to share all your knowledge and expertise with us today. Before we wrap up today's live, is there anything you want to shout out or, or anything you want to plug? Um, I think I'll just say the really hard thing, which is if you really are struggling, if you're finding your debts are going up and you can't cope with what you have to pay out, talk to a debt advisor. Talk to a debt advisor sooner. Don't, don't leave it. Don't struggle. Don't wait till things get worse. Go and talk to a good debt advisor. Talk to National Debt Line. Talk to Citizens Advice. If you're self-employed, there's a great charity called Business Debt Line you can talk to. That is an excellent, excellent note to end today's show on. Um, and because Sarah's not mentioned it, I'm going to say make sure you give Sarah a follow on Instagram and make sure you check out her excellent website, debtcamel.co.uk. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for inviting me, Timmy. It's been a pleasure. been an awesome uh, conversation. Thank you to everyone who tuned in today left a comment, asked a question. I've seen quite a few people have followed as well. Thank you to all of you. We'll be back next week with another special guest. So until then, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. <laughs>